Has anyone ever said something really stupid? You know, and after you said it, you think about, man, why did I say that? Yeah, I did one of those just this morning. I mean, I, a lot of you folks are wearing purple. And, and someone walked through the door, and they were wearing purple, and I said, hey, you know, I have nothing against the Vikings. We never see them in the Super Bowl, so there's nothing to be had more. And as soon as I said it, I was like, man, that was a kind of a shot. And then, idiot, remember where you are. You're in Minnesota. I mean, why would you say something like that? So um, good way to offend someone right off the bat. Um, but that's, you know, sometimes we do say those things, and we get ourselves in trouble. And so we're going to look at that in a little bit in James about our words and our tongue and how we use that and the trouble we get ourselves into quite often with our speech. So that's a little bit of where we're headed. But again, as I like to do is kind of bring us up to speed because I know not all of you can be here each and every week. And so I don't want to leave you behind because the book of James, again, was written as a whole in an entirety. And as I even mentioned James kind of circles back from time to time uh, in his letter because it was meant to be read all in one sitting. Now, again, if I did that today, many of you would not see the game. I mean, I might still be able to make the Patriots. They're not playing until tonight, but you guys wouldn't make the game, and I wouldn't want to do that to you because we would miss a lot, and we would skim over a lot. And I hope, and my prayer is that you do read through James on your own, maybe study. I kind of throw those out there every once in a while. Hey, do a little further study. You know, those, those are helpful hints because there's a lot there, and we can't cover it all in the morning, uh, and you wouldn't want me to cover it all in a message either. But as we look at James, again, the early church, and I mentioned that James is the pastor of a group of small groups, but predominantly Jewish. And so it has that flavor to it. And again, knowing your audience is important, right? If I'd have known and realized more that I was speaking to a bunch of Minnesotans, I wouldn't make fun of the Vikings, right? I keep it. Now, when I go back next week to the East, I'll be fine. I can say all I want about the Patriots, and that'll be most of our conversation, um, if I start cheering for Minnesota in New England, then I'm going to be out of context there. But as we looked at in chapter 1, getting back to the scriptures before I get into any more trouble this morning, we looked at three things. Do you remember the wisdom things? One, where do trials come from? From God, right? God gives them to us for a reason, for a purpose, for our good. What about temptation? Where does temptation come from? From Satan. That's right. He's the tempter. He's the father of lies. He loves to tempt us. But do we have to yield to that temptation? No. We looked at Corinthians, right? It says there's a way out. We need to look for that way out. We need to be patient on God. God provides that for us. Then we also talked about consequences, right? Sometimes we don't even need the devil. It's our own consequences for our own sin behavior. And if you remember, I said we get to choose the sin, but we don't often or hardly ever get to choose the consequences. And the consequences can be different. So that was all wrapped up in that first message in chapter 1. Then we looked at, and again, this is part of the repeating part, but the, remember that verse 19, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. So if you want to underline some verses, because it doesn't bring about the righteousness of God. We need to, to listen more and speak less. James is going to hint to that today. We also talked about gaining wisdom, right? And, and not just listening to the word, but doing the word. Dave Wonders and I were talking about James because he's doing it with the youth group, and that's kind of the main theme that even Francis Chan is saying, that we can agree upon, that we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And again, it does us no good if we don't apply God's word to our lives and the importance of that. Then we looked at chapter 2, and 
Now, I made that joke about Tony not being my favorite elder, right? Favoritism. He's still in recovery from that, and uh, he's forgiven me for that saying, but he's, he's, he's getting there all the time. But really, really, favoritism causes lots of problems. It causes division. It causes strife. Again, it's unfair. There's usually an ulterior motive. And even though if we're one of the ones that are being favored, you're really not doing us any favors there either. So favoritism and, and how bad that was and about loving your neighbor and putting that into practice. And then last week we talked about faith and deeds, right? What we believe needs to show up in how we do things, right? They can't be separated. Can't say, well, I have faith and there's no evidence. There needs to be, because of our faith, there needs to be an outpouring of work. It has to be something that's involved with there. It was ideally that, you know, PJ was talking about common this morning and as she was researching it and looking at what the Alliance is doing, right? It's great that we preach the gospel, but as the Alliance, we realize that we need to do more than just preach the gospel. Sometimes we need to get our hands dirty and do some of that physical work in order to get the opportunity to preach the gospel. And so those two have to be working together in our faith. And again, that's one of the things that identifies us as believers is we should be active in our faith. And again, they use the examples of Abraham and Rahab. And I mentioned that God will use whoever he wants. And that's a great thing because he wants to use even you for you to show your faith. So that brings us all the way up to chapter three. Like I said, we're going to kind of get into one of those areas that we can get into trouble is our tongue, right? And Really, our tongues is just kind of the forefront, but our tongues are the beginning or the end of what happens, but it starts in our heart. Sometimes it goes through our head. Sometimes it doesn't even, I think it just overrides and just goes straight out. But we do have a filter, and our tongues can get us in trouble. And we can say things that we don't intend to, but really it's there. And we get in trouble with that. And so James is going to give us some warnings here and some cautions as believers what to do with our tongues. But first off, it kind of gets to someone who speaks a lot. This verse is one of the ones that I struggle with mightily, but it says, not many of you should presume to be teachers. My brothers, again, talking to the believers there, because know that what who, we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. And if, no, if, no one is, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, unable to keep his whole body in check. When I read that verse, I'm like, you know what? I want to get out. Tony, you take over. I'm, I'm done. You just, it, right? It comes with great responsibility to teach. And again, the Jewish mindset, you got to remember what was going on, right? The, the teachers or the rabbis of that day, they were put up on, on, on pedestals. They were looked up to. They were the example. Remember what Jesus did to them, right? He says, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You're saying one thing, but you're doing another. Kind of going back to the faith and deeds. It wasn't lining up. And so James, in these churches, and again, these are believer, and I, want, and I think the problem he had, he had a bunch of people saying, hey, I'm a believer, and I want to teach. But I think the problem was their motives were wrong. Because again, they're starting a new work. They're, you know, they're no longer relying upon the priests and they're not relying upon these straight teachers. This is a new way now. In fact, they were called the way for a long time. And so he has a bunch of people that want to teach, but they're really not qualified. 
They're not sure of what they're even teaching at this point. And so James puts this caution out there. <clears throat> now, before you say, well, pastor, that's great for you because you're, you know, you, you're a pastor, so you have to teach. That's part of your, your job description. Well, if you put it in context of Scripture, guess what? We all have a responsibility to teach, right? Timothy talks about that, right? Older women to younger women, older men to younger men. If you are dads, you have a responsibility to teach your kids. Women, same thing, responsibility, younger ladies. So in, in a way, we all have a responsibility to teach, but we need to be careful in how we teach and what we teach. And because there is, we have influence. As teachers over someone, you have influence on them. And especially in that day where, again, they were elevated. All right, moving off of that, I, I think I'm, I can go on. I, I wrestle with that, but I can go on with it. Um, knowing that in context, but also being careful about what I say. Verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are very large they are driven by, and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder whatever, wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Right? So you're talking about that tongue. It's, it's small and comparative to our body, but our words matter. Right? You know, you've probably been in conversations. You say some words, and all of a sudden, the whole conversation goes left really quick. Right? You hit one of those magic words or magic buttons, uh, and our society's taken away words from us in many ways. You know, they... They've taken that word, they've captured it, and they've changed the meaning to it so that really we have to be careful in where we use it. But even though that tongue is small, it's powerful. You know, I grew up with that, that little saying as a kid, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, we know now that our words do hurt, and verbal abuse is part of that, but also cutting people down. Our words matter. We can hurt people, tongue, by just speaking. Like I said, we, we blame the tongue, but what's behind the tongue? Chapter 1, when it talks about being slow to, slow to speak, right? When we're angry with someone and we're, 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 we're yelling at them, we say things that we regret quite often. I think that's why that caution is there. But we do it with our tongues. Not always in our action, but it's with our words. We, we intend to hurt them, we may not intend to hurt them as badly, but at the moment, that's what we're doing because of our tongues. And again, the, the vivid reminder, it doesn't take much. Just a little word here, a little word there, and you can chew somebody up pretty quick. You can tear them down as a person. You can degrade them. And so there's the warning of being careful about how we speak because even though it's small, it has a lot of power, that tongue. And like I said, James is great because he just keeps giving you more examples. And so consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire. And it is itself set on fire by hell. Pretty strong words, right? I think James is pretty adamant about what our, our words mean and what our tongue does, yeah. Because we, we can send people in the opposite direction. 
We can take them from going towards Christ to actually going away from them. But in that context, that puts a little greater responsibility on our words. We need to choose them carefully. We need to be careful of when we speak, how we speak. Now, I've had people say, all right, after reading this passage, all right, you know what, Pastor? I'm just not going to speak at all. I'm just going to be quiet. Well, I would love to give you that out, but God doesn't give you that out, right? Here's the tricky part. Sometimes we are called to speak, and we're just as wrong not to speak, and other times we're called to be quiet and, and, and we're not, or, or, or the opposite, right? So we, again, it's leaning on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to guide us in those situations. Sometimes we miss those opportunities because we're not listening. But how we do it, how, what we say... It's important. It can lead to someone's destruction. We always joke with PJ's mom. PJ's mom's 86. And you got to understand, she's, she's a believer, been a believer for a long time. But as she's gotten older, and we joke about it, but there's some, some truth to it, her filter's gotten less. You know, and, and you were, some of you are smiling, right? You know, they, they, older people just get to a point where they don't really think about it that much. They don't care anymore. They don't care what other people think. And they just say what's ever on their mind. And sometimes it's inappropriate. Sometimes it's stuck back in the time when those words were okay, but now they're not okay, right? Some of you are smiling. If you deal with older folks, uh, my parents included, sometimes you, I cringe. It's like, Dad, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> and he goes, what? Why? You know, it used to be okay. It's not any longer. So we have to be mindful of that as well. And again, that filter, though, really comes down to self-control. Right? Whether it's young or old, we all have responsibility to control our tongue and to use it for God's purpose. Whether we're speaking or not speaking, we can be just as wrong either way. We have to be careful of that. We have to really rely upon the Holy Spirit and use self-control. Use judgment on when to speak and what to speak. He's on with the animal theme here, and it's interesting. Um, it says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures by the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So is he saying there's no hope? Right? Our tongue runs itself. It, we, we have no, no. Like I said, remember, we have self-control. We can control it. But it takes work overnight. Practice, it takes continuing, right? These animals weren't tamed overnight, right? And our tongue is the same way. It takes discipline. It takes over and over again working through that. Sometimes PJ likes to evaluate her conversations. I don't know how she does that. I hardly I remember the conversation I just had this morning. But she likes to evaluate them and say, you know, hey, did I handle that situation right? Did I... Did I clearly communicate? It's not a bad thing. It's actually a, a good thing to think back on it and say, you know what, if I'm put in that situation again, how will I handle it differently? Maybe I can, can train myself to not react to that word. Or when someone says something, to listen a little bit longer and let them finish. Right? And many of you know I'm a bottom line guy. Sometimes that gets me in trouble. Some people like bottom lining. Some people don't. Some people just need to get it out. And so they tell me the whole long story. And it seems for me, from my perspective, it goes on and on and on and details that I don't care about, really, if I'm being honest, but I care about the person. 
And so bottom line, and it doesn't work well in those situations. Some of you are married that are laughing because it's typical among men and women in many cases. But again, because I love that person, I need to be patient. I need to listen them out. I need not to cut them off or to try to get to the bottom line so quickly. So again, it takes practice. It takes effort. It takes training. It takes working on it purposely. But our tongue is that, again, it says it's, it's full of poison. And that poison is coming from our heart. Again, our selfish desires, right? When I want to bottom line it, it's for my own benefit. I'm tired of listening. I just want to get to the bottom. I want to get done, go on to the next thing. But it's my own selfishness. It's not really caring about the other person. I'm not loving on that person. Being patient comes along in many different forms, part of that love. Verse 9. Stark contrast here. He says, In my tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. So one of my, my other verses is found in 1 John, but do you realize that our relationship with each other is a direct reflection on our relationship with God? Not you, but that kind of stops me in my tracks, right? I can't be fighting with Jerry and say that I'm in a right relationship with God. Jerry and I aren't fighting. We're, we're pretty good as far as I know. And he doesn't care about the Vikings that much. And I, No. But do you realize that our relationship, especially in the body of Christ, between our brothers and sisters, we can't be out of relationship and, and say that we're all right with God. It doesn't work that way. God cares about each and every one of us, individually and collectively. And so it's vitally important, and it's vitally important about our tongues and how we speak to one another. And he says, you can't be in contrast, right? That, that hypocritical spirit can't be among them. That's what they were fighting in that day, right? The, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the chief priests were saying one thing, but they were cutting people down on the, on the backside. The us and them. We don't have that going on. Today. A little bit more. You know, today we would extend it out a little bit more, and I, and I want to extend it out a little bit more as well, but Facebook, right? What did you post on Facebook? In fact, there was a, a thing that came out this week about uh, employers are looking more and more at social media to see what people post, and people are being disqualified. And, and some are rising, well, wait a minute, that's, that's Facebook. That's, that's my, my private life. Social media, media, public, it's not private when you put it on Facebook. And I don't know about you, but there are many times I've written things down and about ready to hit send, and I'm like, that's why I like email. Email took me a little bit longer to write out, but, but Facebook, boy, when you're messaging, you can do it pretty quick. Even, even old guys like me are texting. Guess what? Those are words, and they're just as though they're spoken. So same cautions. In fact, some, some of you probably can text faster than I can speak, but we have to be careful even with that. And again, our conversations are not private anymore, they're public, which really in many cases have more ramifications because more people can see them and despite what you think, they're always there. They can be brought up or people can take screenshots and I don't know all the technology that's out there, but guess what? It doesn't get erased easily once it's said. You can't just delete it and like it never happened. Same thing with our words. So another caution there. 
But we have to be careful in how we speak about others. In fact, one of the other sins that we tend to fall into, right, with our tongue is gossip, slander. Notice a lot of the sins are connected to words. It's an outward expression. Lying is others as well. But again, that tongue is, is a tough thing. And you can see why James calls it out. He says it's full of deadly poison. Then he points out the hypocrisy in verse 10. He says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers. This should not be. Kind of tempers it down here, but really, if you picture James saying this, he's probably shouting this. Because it can't happen. This is not right. He's, he's screaming this. Because guess what? It's probably going on in his church. And so he's addressing it, and he's like, this is not right. You can't do this. It's an imperative. Can't be praising God and cursing man. Doesn't line up with your faith. Gives another example. Does can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I'm going to stop right there this morning again because we're just really focusing on this part of it, although the next section will, will hint at it as well because of the wisdom we need in doing this. But he says, again, kind of going back to that faith in deeds. What we say and our words need to line up with our faith. What we believe, we believe that God's word is truth and for our lives, then we need to speak that as though that's what we really believe. We have to be careful with our words. Be careful with our speech. We can't get into it like the world does. Say it today. We have to be careful what we post. We got to be careful what we text, what we message. We got to be careful how we interact with folks. Now the old joke is, you know, as soon as you, you leave here, you go out, someone cuts you off, and you start going off and yelling and screaming and you know, road rage doesn't take very long for you to have to put it into practice. Or some of you sometimes with, with family, I mean, I, confession, PJ and I have had some of our biggest arguments on the way home from church. And it usually had nothing to do with church. It was more of, you know, where we're going to go out to lunch afterwards. But again, it doesn't line up, right? It doesn't work with our faith if we're falling into that trap. Our words and our action matter to God. They matter to each other, and they matter in the relationship part of it especially. Again, it's great we can sing that song, it's well with my soul, but is it well with my soul with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I in right relationship? Am I speaking words that they need to hear? A lot of us need encouragement. A lot of us need support. Sometimes we need correction. But how we do that is important as well. I didn't even get into touching that point, but... Right? If we're trying to instruct someone, we're teaching someone, you know, it's a lot easier to receive if I know that person loves me, even though it may not be what I want to hear, you have a lot more credibility. I'm more willing to probably learn from that or to receive it and put it into practice. So I leave you with that matter. James addressed that. He's going to address it a little bit later on in the passage as well, but just wanted to leave you with that thought this morning. Think about your words this week and how you use them. Not only when you're family, but the place of business, when you're working, when you're interacting with others. Yes, and even when you post on social media as well. Think about it. 
Now, is this what, something that glorifies God or is this something that takes away from my faith? Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your instruction, Lord. And Lord, we all are in need of self-examination from time to time, Lord. We, we need that, that look into the depths of our soul, Lord, and say, did I speak correctly? Did I glorify your name or did I hinder it? Lord, was my faith evident in the way that I spoke? Lord, I pray that you would just help us as not only a church party here, Lord, but as all believers, Lord, that we would exemplify you in all that we say and all that we do. Lord, just continue to grow us in our faith and our love for one another. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.